The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Dietary Requirements, the Spinoffs Food Podcast, Ko Simon Day Toko Ingawa, Kei Te Hiakaiaho. I'm joined by the Spinoffs Food Editor, Alice Neville, and the Food Beyonce of New Zealand, Sophie Gilmore. <laughs> I still can't sit through that without laughing. Kia ora kaurua. Kia ora. Kia ora, Simon. And today we are really excited to have a very special guest joining us, Rosemary Dempsey. Rosemary is the inventor of Kiwi Onion Dip and an iconic New Zealander. She deserves to be on an official banknote or maybe even the flag. Welcome, Rosemary. <laughs> We're very honoured to have you I'm in our sorry, presence. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing. I really can't quite accept that. No, Go she's, on. Also very, she's also very humble. <laughs> very brief um, housekeeping because we wouldn't be here without them. Uh, the spin-offs food section is made possible by our wonderful sponsors, uh, Freedom Farms and the Fine Wine Delivery Company. Fine Wine Delivery Company is all about bringing you the best beer, wine and spirits at the best price. And you have got their Auckland superstores on Lund Ave and Mount Wellington and Constellation Drive on the North Shore. And it's the back end of November, so we're already thinking about Christmas, and they've got really great packages for clients, for staff, and for personal gifts too that make a much better Christmas present than a new pair of socks or undies. And Freedom Farms believes that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how that animal has been farmed. They're dedicated to providing you with the best pork, free-range chicken, and eggs. This week we are eating a uh, cassoulet made with their sausages and chicken. And again, because it's nearly Christmas, you need to be thinking about ordering your Christmas ham. And you can get uh, Freedom Farms beautiful Christmas hams via the Faro website. Uh, Start ordering now because they do sell out and you will then be able to pick them up in store. And later next month, they will appear at Countdown Supermarkets across the country. Check out all they have to offer at freedomfarms.co.nz and finewinedeliverycompany.co.nz. Sorry, I think it's finewinedeliveryco.co.nz. Final piece of housekeeping. um, Says it there, Sophie. 
Final piece of housekeeping. Uh, Everybody Eats needs your help. They're now open four days a week, Mondays in uh, the original space in K Road at Gamezi Street, and Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in Avondale at the Woodworks Cafe. They'd love you to sign up to volunteer uh, and... You can do so via our new website. What is the website? Everybodyeats.nz. Cool. So join the, there's 600 volunteers already enlisted with Everybody Eats, but the game is being changed when we open full time. So that will be um, from the 14th of January next year. We'll be doing five days in Avondale. So get on board. Exciting. Do you need any uh, special skills to volunteer? Absolutely not. Oh, Basically, um, it's about getting people together that are enthusiastic and they might be um, specifically engaged by the food waste component of the problem that we're trying to solve, but also the food poverty, it can be anything. Whatever makes um, people feel enthusiastic and mobilised and um, we tell you what to do, so don't worry about cooking Mm. skills. Cool. Well, two years ago, uh, spin-off journalist Hayden Donnell, who loves kiwi onion dip more than anyone else (laughs) in the world, went searching for its inventor. And when he contacted Nestle... Uh, he was told that Rosemary Dempsey had invented uh, kiwi onion dip and that unfortunately uh, she had died, um, unmarried, <laughs> leaving behind no uh, children. And for, oh, well, fortunately, uh, this was untrue and we're very lucky to be joined by the very much living and breathing uh, Rosemary Dempsey today. Hayden managed to track her down. And she's she's become a bit of a part of the spin-off family. She's here looking completely glamorous yes. in a matching two-piece <laughs> tweed arrangement, cashmere sweatshirt, pearls, the whole lot. Welcome, Rosemary. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Would you like to Lovely correct, to be correct the record on what this slave <laughs> was telling people? I'm very much alive. I have two children. And um, and I plan to be around for quite a long longer. Hopefully. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us the story of... Um, what you were doing and how you came up with um, the kiwi onion dip recipe? Well, I started the Nestle Test Kitchen, and part of my role was to encourage people to use our products. I mean, that was what I was there for. And every month we would have AC Nielsen come to us with showing us what the sales were of various products. And I noticed onion soup was going into a big dip and reduce cream even further. So we felt we really had to do something about that. So I went back to the kitchen and from there experimented because dips were just coming in at that time. And I thought, well, that would be a good thing to do if I could combine them. And that's really what happened. I just tried it and thought, hmm, that's that's good. And uh, from then on, the onion soup sales grew, the reduced cream sales grew and it's they still they're still you know, very good yeah. sales did you know you're on to something that would become so popular the moment no. you did it no it was a job um that was just something that i did and i loved experimenting yeah i think it was a brave experiment to put condensed milk with well, reduced cream redu- sorry reduced yeah, cream with yeah. onion soup mix i mean I would have thought the outcome would not be as positive as it was. Well, I think probably cream, fresh cream was the basis of several dips at that time. Okay. 
and uh, we didn't have fresh cream on our catalogue. So therefore, uh, reduced cream, and and it had the flavour. I tried onion soup with fresh cream, and I, it just didn't come through enough. Yes. But when I put it with the reduced cream, that extra flavour in the cream, however one made like or dislike, mm. with the onion soup, blended beautifully. Yes. And then, then you play a bit further, and you think, oh, I might add some lemon juice or vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, then we added uh, tomato sauce, all sorts of things. Yes. But the basic thing is just the onion soup powder in the cream. And if I don't have lemons, I will. I don't. Or vinegar, I, don't, you know, I just don't. I just mix it together. Yeah. I don't know if it really, really needs that lemon juice. I'm pleased you've no. said that because I've never actually had it with an acid in it. And often for me, the issue that I take with it is that New Zealanders eat it before a meal and it's rich and it spoils your appetite. And I think it would be balanced with a bit more acid. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Well, we've got some freshly made uh, kiwi onion dip that Rosemary's whipped up for us um, just here. So I think we'll eat and chat at the same time. Awesome. This is made so at, at this point without any um, acid, without any uh, lemon, but we will mm-hmm. add that later. Are mm-hmm. these chips both the same flavour? No, there's some Super. ready salted and um, some salt and vinegar. Which you actually, love that. Yes, I do. (laughs) Rosemary is already familiar with my penchant for salt. Because, Rosemary, we sought some questions from um, our readers via the internet, Mm -hmm. and that was actually the first question uh, people asked. Daniel Lister asked, do you use ready salted or salt and vinegar chips? I prefer the plain chips. I don't really want salted salt, any more salt. But then, you see, I don't think... I think you should keep your salt levels down anyway. So I would do plain chips. Let the dips sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try both and see what I think, yeah. but mm. the salt and vinegar was great. Yeah. And so then continuing on through some of these very important questions, Ian Stewart asks, um, it's actually on what we've just been talking about. He, Do you prefer vinegar or lemon juice? He's only ever done it with lemon juice. And is it truly either or, or do you prefer one, or is it however you're feeling at the time? I think it's how you're feeling at the time, what you've got in the cupboard. But when I make it now, I just use the onion soup and the cream. Occasionally I may think, oh, I've got some lemon there. I'll use lemon, but I don't really think it's necessary. This is 55 years later. I think maybe I didn't need that lemon juice. (laughs) (laughs) Do you make it often? Probably about once a month, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because at the village we have quite a lot of activities, and you take a plate, or you take this, or you take that. And I like to not only serve it in the dip, but you can get those little phyllo pastries, mm. and if you pop it in there, oh, nice. put it in there, and add some colour, whatever it might be—a tiny piece of tomato skin or a piece of the parsley, or, chive, yeah. and it's, it's great. It's lovely. Mm. So how many times that you serve the dip in a social situation do you raise the fact that you are the dip's inventor? Never. Oh. <laughs> really? Do other people bring it up? It's over to them to find out. There's no way I'd tell anyone. So do people at the village know? After some years. They're about to find out, Rosemary. <laughs> yeah. After some did years, they know? did. Yeah. 
They'll need to make an honest award for and you. And that was village. Hayden's fault. Yes. Yes. Fault. He revealed you. <laughs> he, do, he doesn't do much right. <laughs> Poor Hayden. Who else would say that? No, uh, we the, love Hayden. On the topic of catering um, for parties, Alex Everett asks, what's your favourite food to dip in the dip? Um, there's such a wonderful range of crackers. I like a very, a varied range of crackers. I think there's, we've got some marvellous crackers out there in the market now, and they look great if you get different shapes, different sizes. That's probably my favourite. Ever use but, veggies? Yes, I hate them. <laughs> with the dip or? I don't know, with the dip. I, I just, I, I don't know, it's just something that I don't really, I know they're terribly good for you and all that, but I, I really don't need raw vegetables with my dip. No. But at the not. moment, I'm really into, I'm experimenting, I'm Making some breadsticks out of puff pastry. Wow. Have you used horopito? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, delicious. Have, yeah. Well, with your paste, puff pastry, sprinkle it on, and roll it, Yum. and oh. cut it. And you really that, are an and, innovator. <laughs> well, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. I love to hear that you're still doing it. I was quite surprised at cooking school. I made, with the puff pastry that we'd made, I made cheese straws, which is yes. kind of what you're talk- talking yes. about, and how easy, yet also not as straightforward as I thought, because you have to, you do the filling and then you fold it over. And you roll it, you roll and it roll, out and, and then you do it again. So the filling is, in fact, between the layers yes, of pastry. Yes, And that's and if the you, trick. Yeah, and if you make the breadsticks, what's that, about three inches? Yes. Yeah, about three inches. Yeah. Um, a lot of twisting goes on, too. You, you can twist, but some of them I Sometimes I don't. Sometimes. Depends on my mood. Sometimes mm. I twist them, sometimes. But I think I've just about got them right. Nice. They're delicious with it. Oh, we'll be popping in to see you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anna King Shahab asks, how do you feel about using sour cream in place of reduced cream? No. Anna prefers it. Oh. Does she? Mm. I must try it. Anna's a famous foodie in Auckland. Yes, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even think of I haven't thought of it. But I shall certainly try it and I'll let you know. Yes. Yes. Ruth Cameron wants to know this is an important question actually. What is reduced cream? And well, what is it used for other than onion dip? I don't think very much actually. <laughs> because when it was when it was first produced, it would have been at a time when fresh cream probably wasn't readily available. And so you had the tin in your cupboard um, and you used it as cream. So you could serve it with a dessert or something yes, like that? Yes, wow. definitely. It would be used in the, in the very early days, <coughs> excuse me, when it was um, produced, it would have been as a cream for sweet things. It's only in later years that it was used in um, savoury dishes. So is that as an ingredient rather than as an accompaniment? You're making yep, yep. Okay. Yes, yes. And it was probably used as an accompaniment. I can't understand why, but it probably was. I guess because if you yes. whisked it, you could yes. make it into Well, it just, yes, it wouldn't become any thicker than it was. But I, I think probably... Nestle, if it wasn't for the onion dip, I think Nestle would have um, deleted it. You saved some, its life. Some, some years ago because, um, I mean, fresh cream. You've got fresh cream. You've got all these other – you've got Rascopone. You've got all these other products. Mm. And now it does say on the tin, you know, they, they sort of advertise it to specifically to make 
Yes, yes. Do they? Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah, and the same with the um, and that I think that's the only reason it survived. Yeah, I think so. And I was thinking that because the, you know, it can't take the place of mascarpone. It can't no. take the place of other things. No, so it's, it can't. It's sort of become you wouldn't, no. irrelevant apart from it. Exactly. That, yes, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Alice, those beers are sitting there yes. glaring at me. Should we have a quick drinks break? I think we should. What have we got today? So we've got a um, Liberty Brewing Elixir Bright Ale. Um, basically, I just chose this because I wanted something that would go well with chips and kiwi onion dip. And I put a call out on Twitter to ask people what they thought, which beer they thought would go well. And I got a lot of people saying things like Waikato Draft and Double Brown. <laughs> Sophie's husband loves Waikato Draft. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing Waka wrong with that. is his, I mean, I don't know if it's his favourite drop, but he'd probably tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but Michael Donaldson, who's a very good beer writer, suggested, he said he'd been eating the dip recently with an epic um, shotgun XPA, which is a new one from Epic. I couldn't find that, but instead I got the Liberty Brewing um, elixir bright ale, which they also describe as a extra pale ale. Oh, I was going to say, what is bright ale? Well, yeah. So on the box it said extra pale ale, but on the labels it says bright ale. So we'll see. I think I've had this one before, but I just thought it might be kind of light and bright and work nicely. But let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Can I ask a question on behalf of other beer rookies? Yes. Is XPA <laughs> Lighter and more citrusy in general than an IPA or an APA? Well, it's one of those what things that's a bit controversial, and there's actually a story about what the heck an XPA is in um, The Pursuit of Hoppiness, which is the magazine that the Society of Beer Advocates puts out. Okay. Uh, basically, probably it's going to be a bit lighter and sort of more refreshing than an IPA or an APA, but it can basically be whatever the brewer wants it to be. It's very vague, all this very, beer yeah. terminology, because we had the same of, question with IPA yeah. and APA, and you said there actually is, you can it's just call really, it what you like. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, The same thing applies to wine in many ways, too. I guess wine is more, because you have a grape variety, so I guess that is more... Um, Characteristic, set. yeah. Of a, but, but, also, but often... Uh, Provenance can be more definitive of um, flavour than the actual grape itself. Yeah, that's true. And that tends to be because a style becomes popular. Alice is having a lot of provenance. I got, I got a very bad. Um, My experience of the XPA was um, Sawmill did a really delicious one yes. at Christmas time last year, and it was really fresh and delicious. So I've ever since then decided I like XPA. So Hayden Donnell actually stuck his head in the studio door, so we took a real drinks break, set up a microphone, and have invited him in. And we thought, Hayden, you might be able to tell your story um, about finding rosemary, hunting for rosemary, and discovering rosemary. Finding rosemary is, is the official title. Hello, nice to be here, everyone. Hi. I'll just do this little drink sound, me pouring a beer. Rosemary, it's only 11.30, but would you like a beer? No, I'm fine, thank you. I have some here. Oh, no, I'll get you some more. She's yeah. having a taste it. Thank you. No, it's pleasant. Oh, thank you. It is nice, it's isn't it? It is. Mm. Very pleasant. It's light and fresh, and I think yes. you're right. In, in lieu of acid in the dip, it's a really mm. nice accompaniment. Yes, cuts through the Although, richness. before Hayden starts, I'm actually going to add 
lemon juice now to the dip. Hayden, is that sacrosanct? Yeah, well, I mean, in, in, no, I mean, no, it's not. I'm a lemon guy as opposed to a vinegar guy. If I have to choose one of the two, but obviously rosemary didn't originally have either. They're a nice later addition, though. About a teaspoon. Okay, that and rosemary a... said she's she's not actually in one yeah. camp or the other. Yeah. She said whatever you've got in the pantry. Yeah, and if you don't have it, don't bother. I agree with that. I don't usually bother. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think it's perfect, just the two ingredients, and that's the great thing about it. Perfect. You are. You really are the biggest fan of onion dip. <laughs> no, I, I think I probably am, and that's where the story really begins, because, I mean, I obviously, eating onion dip is the best thing I do all year, and I used to think this. I, for, for 28, <laughs> 29, 30 years, I would just think, what a miracle! And then, and then one time, one year, it sort of dawned on me: like, who invented this? You know, who is responsible for this flavor miracle that I experience every year? And I used to just say it to people: you know, I mean, whoever does, whoever invented this, deserves a knighthood, whoever, a damehood, whatever. You know, like oh, that's what I used to say. How many and, times a year are you enjoying onion dip? I mean, primarily it's it was summer, but now I obviously I've been overseas in London. This is I'm digressing, but I've been in London for a while, so now I've come back and I am catching up. Yeah, I'm catching up, so I'm eating it year round. But back then it was summer, and I'd say to people, and this is a few years would go by. I'd just say to people every so often, "This person deserves the highest honor in New Zealand." And (laughs) then I was at the spinoff for a while, and I thought, God, I should actually act on that. Put your passion and your job together. And so that began a very, a very long, exhaustive process of trying to find rosemary, which I could try and recall to you, but I mean, just as the basics, uh, the breakthrough actually came like when I did a Facebook post with Rosemary's picture from her Nestle days, uh, and your niece got in touch with me. And said she's not Rosemary Dempsey anymore. She's alive, and she she said you were living on the North Shore. So obviously she hasn't kept in touch. <laughs> no, <laughs> but she gave me your real name, which is Rosemary Mount. And from Rosemary Mount, I was able to track down Rosemary. And then I got this miracle of a phone call after I think I emailed you and got 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 this. Number. No, actually, you, you bring my sister. Oh, did I? <laughs> yes, you did. Is that what I did? Whoops. <laughs> I, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to hunt for the it's story. A long you know, time when you got your hands on the story, you've got it. And you, <coughs> and you've established quite a good friendship since then. We have. Yeah. Yes, we have. I'm now acting as, yeah. a, as her media manager. I yes. approve this yes. appearance. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm getting ten ten percent yes. of the fee. I made so. him my manager. Thank yeah. you so much <laughs> for that. I, I just, I just want to note one thing. Like just getting that first phone call where she returned my call. I think we're playing phone tag, but. And hearing that voice on the other end of the line, and it's this very, I mean, you, you've heard the voice that's on the podcast, but this great broadcasting Radio New Zealand. <laughs> it was. It was really... Born ready. She just uh, sounded, you know, you always imagine these kind of things, like the kind of person that it would be, but then you know, it just sounded perfect for how I envisaged the, the inventor of Kiwi. What a moment. To sound. Was she all good. you hoped and dreamed of? Oh, absolutely. Well, better, really. Like, I mean, oh, I, I, I mean, you could have too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much. I just, I mean, you could have been much this. worse, Rosemary. This is the thing. <laughs> you could have been a mean old man. I mean, you could have been just some some nerd from a bunker. But, you, but she's got this sort of effervescent, sort of broadcasting. 
And a genuine uh, passion, a genuine passion for food as well. Well, I have that. Yes, and all of the glamour. <laughs> okay. Love it. So, Hayden, um, we were halfway through some questions <laughs> from uh, our readers and listeners, and th- I think this one from Stacey Korkaua is potentially a rhetorical question. She asks, uh, and I think she was asking a sister or a cousin, what would our family get-togethers have been without this woman? I don't know if you can answer that or not. Kate Hardcastle, she has two questions. A desolate affair. <laughs> Kate, <laughs> Kate, Without. <laughs> Kate asks, uh, question one, why are you not a dame or some other high honour? So it's... What a lovely idea, but I rather feel there are a lot more worthier people out there. There's, there's a story behind that. I think people, I don't know whether you're willing to tell it, Rosemary. Do people do get in touch with you after my story came out? Mm-hmm. And the, the government? No. no, no GCSB. Right. So, I mean, I, I mean, it caught the eye of some, some famous broadcasters like Robert Rackety and uh, Jeanette Thomas, and they really took your cause on board and... I was living in London by this stage, but did they get in touch with you? No, they they got in touch with the manager at the village, and who then put them on to my son. And my son said, "Oh, I don't really think she wants to get involved." Where's the petition? I'm keen to sign. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about this for some time. Oh, and so I said to him when I found out, I said, "Hey, who said who said that?" And he said, well, I thought you'd had enough. Oh, no. He did. Not everyone's like Hayden, you know. They, they can be a lot easier to work with. interesting because I all of a sudden got this um, uh, email when I was I, – no, what happened is Robert asked me to write a letter of recommendation. Well, I wrote this lovely letter and then I sent it off to Robert. He said it's perfect. And then he gave me – he contacted me saying, oh, no, uh, you'd said no. But now it turns out it wasn't you. It wasn't me. So was this a recommendation for – a damehood. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> for the order of wow. for the order of merit. So, so order well, of merit. Kate, Kate Hardcastle, the um, the process has been started. We might have to pick it up now. Kate's second question has already been answered about what is your favourite item to dip, but she comes with sub question two a. Is it ever acceptable to dip your fingers in the dip if all dipping items are dipped out? I think it'd be so messy. You'd have to have an awful lot of paper napkins around. True. But if you had paper napkins? No. 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 It's not very close, no. is it? No. Hayden's been known to dip his fingers. No. I am not a finger dipper. I'll find a <laughs> carrot or a celery. There's video oh, footage. Not into oh, that. maybe I have dipped my fingers from time to time. And in a glorious segue into the next part of the podcast, um, Shane Cowlishaw asks, what is your opinion on bay leaf? I love bay leaves. I use them. For what do you use them for? I use them in stews, casseroles, um, maybe, probably mainly that. I'm trying to think what else. And I also use them in my wardrobe. What? what, what how do you use them <laughs> and in I your use wardrobe? Them, and I use them to keep ants away. Tell me more about your wardrobe. <laughs> well, if you put them in a, in a bag with holes in it, hang it in your wardrobe. Somebody told me about it, and I've been doing it for years, and I don't have moths, so I, I, I just assume it works. Your threads are in good neck. Yeah. Yeah. I do Thank put you to the um, a sprig of, I have a sprig of bay leaves in my pantry to keep pantry moths away. Mm-hmm. So. And yes, and yeah. also 
I guess good for, uh, for ants if you have yeah. ants. Sprinkle them around. Miracle leaf. I have been told <coughs> that some people can smell and taste bay and some people cannot. Like asparagus mm. wheeze. Yes. <laughs> yes. My favourite like topic. Thank yeah. you, Simon. Yeah. But I think that's right. If you break yes. it up, so we've got some bay here. Mm. If Gift you from Anakin, if you break Charles. up mm. a leaf um, and you crack it, mm. I can smell it then. It smells so nice. On its own, mm. there's really no, no aroma, is there? Gotta break it. No. I, You've got to crush it. And I think I think yeah. that in, in cooking traditionally, it's um, appeal is more about the depth of flavour that it provides rather than its own single flavour. It's very yeah. different to mint or coriander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know when you put anchovy in something and you can't taste the anchovy, but the lamb dish suddenly has a, a great mm-hmm. depth of flavour. I think it's yeah. more. Do you think it has more flavour when it's dried? Apparently not. Apparently, we, we had a little discussion on the um, Kai Corner Facebook page, which is sort of the uh, the Facebook offshoot of the spin-off food, and people believed you must go with fresh. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Oh. I didn't know that. Oh. Is this inspired by that great article that was like his bay leaf bullshit? And this guy interviews just about every famous chef in the world. And they all say, oh, it does, it does this and that. And then he says, but that's clearly wrong because bay leaf does nothing. It's bullshit. And then carries on to the next chef. Oh. I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. So that may have been where the conversation Who is the chef? Came from. That guy, Kenji Alt Lopez. I think There's, it was a writer asking many chefs. Yes. Okay, so there is an American chef called Kenji Lopez, I believe, or Kenji Alt hyphen Lopez. Anyway, he has set about myth busting cooking techniques. So basically, he will tell you from his extensive research that marinating is a farce. That it only ever, no matter how long you marinate a protein in a marinade sauce, it will only ever permeate 0.1% of the skin. Really? So really the reason you like it and you think that it's worked is that you're tasting the delicious skin, but it hasn't gone into the thing. I believe it. I'm on board. There's another, there's mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of them, but he goes through and just myth busts brining. He talks about like you can brine your turkey all day at Thanksgiving, but the only thing you're going to get is a better looking turkey. There's absolutely no moisture absorbed by the activity of brining, and it's got its other benefits, you know, it's a nice activity, but ultimately I, I bet it was him that said that bay leaf does nothing. Well, we've got a live myth busting session about to go down. I have made a cassoulet. Um, with and without bay leaf, and only Alice knows which is which. So we're going to pass it around, keep the banter going while other people chew. Um, do you want to start, Hayden, seeing it's closest yeah, to Yeah, I, I just had a couple of them. I mean, I can refresh my – I can confirm my my verdict. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to uh, – why did you choose a cassoulet to – Cook? Do that? Does it? Do you think it particularly showcases French the bay? French style stew scream bay leaf to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you need a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> French style <laughs> stew screams bay leaf to me. 
<laughs> Simon's <laughs> getting camped so for Christmas, guys. <laughs> Does this kind of feed into the debate in general, though, about, like, I mean, you, you, you people go to these these restaurants and they get blindfolded or there's no light or whatever, and then they end up eating a bunch of foods and they just can't tell what food is which. You yeah. know, they think a bloody steak is a jelly. You know, like, it's like... <laughs> Sensory yeah. deprivation. And, and it kind of makes me think, like, is all, all food just bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how much is what, what what like percentage of our taste is in our eyes? You know, in our perception. Yeah. I think that alters. Well, Simon, I've always said you eat with your eyes. That's mm. why it's so important when you serve up food, it looks attractive. Mm. Well, this cassoulet doesn't look that great, but it no, tastes it delicious. <laughs> and what's flavor. interesting is Hayden, they both look exactly the same, mm. but I think one tastes distinctly different to the other. I'm not sh- quite sure which has bay leaf, uh, but I think they do taste definitely different. So the bay leaf is having an effect on me. Is that yeah. the only difference between the two dishes? Absolutely the only difference. Okay, because... So you you don't know. Even though you cook them, you don't know which one. No, I no, handed them I off to the Alice, only, the vegetarian. I hold the truth. <laughs> the arbiter. Yes. So once you've all made your decision, let me know which... One is on a bowl, one is on a plate. Let me know which one you think um, has a bay leaf. <laughs> Sophie just, I'm eating, I'm trying just, to eat. Just for those who can't see, Sophie just shoveled <laughs> a, like a handful of cassoulet into her mouth. It was a sausage, and it's quite rogue because it's on a plate, and I dropped it. I've had a moment. Oh, dear. Uh, Rosemary, <laughs> is that, what's your take on whether you're allowed to uh, shovel cassoulet into your mouth with your hands? If you not? want to, you can. Okay. Thank you, Rosemary, and you should have my back on that one. So I, That's what I love about travelling to India is you add a... You add another sense to your eating is the feel of the food. You get to find the texture with your hand as you prepare it into that perfect, um, you know, mix of rice and uh, dal, for example. Hayden, you are first. Which has bay? Which doesn't have bay? Uh, I'm gonna say the the flat plate has bay and the bowl doesn't. I'm gonna go the same. I think the, I'm the same. flat plate has bay and the bowl doesn't. Yeah. There was a depth to it. I am. I'm really surprised because I was quite keen to fail this, but and and we might have failed. But I also think that the flat plate has got bay. Okay, are you ready for the truth? <laughs> yes, yeah. We are. Drum roll. You're all correct. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. It's amazing. That I is, can't believe it. That is quite the moment. Bay is real. Bay. It's a total thing. Proof that bay is not a. Uh, you scan. I oh. put the second one in my mouth and it tasted instantly different. Mm. Yeah. And it was more of a depth of flavour, but it definitely did taste slightly greener or aromatic. Like it did have mm. a flavour as well as providing depth of flavour. But I'm really surprised. I was thinking, am I just on the bay bandwagon because everyone else is? But no, it's justified. Fascinating. Wow. What a day. What How- a day. We've really accomplished <laughs> something yeah. here today. So the, the next segment that we do is called Cook's Corner and we use our vast culinary insight to share something important with our listeners. Um, again, feel very privileged to have you here, Rosemary, to, uh, to share your knowledge with us. What would be your big tip or a secret that you haven't revealed before? For, a, um, for an at-home cook looking to improve their skills? What I'm, I'm passionate about are those people who go into supermarkets or wherever, fruiterers, and pummel the avocados 
it really upsets me. Squeeze them. Because, yeah, they squeeze them, and all they need to do is just press the top where the stem comes. Just press it. If it's soft, it's ripe. If it's not, it's not. They should stop and molesting every single avocado in the shop. Yeah. I know, they do. And so I now, I try, and I always buy green ones because then I know I'm not going to end up with black ones. Mm. But if I need a ripe one, I, I get quite thinking about it. That's a great tip. Yeah. Do you know you can also, if you push it in and you think it feels right, you can peel it yeah, away and, peel. and you, see if it's nice and yes, green. Yeah, and if you want to, when you peel them, slice them, just the skin, round and round, and you totally peel them. You could almost eat an avocado like a pear. You could, you could, and I would because I love them. Yeah, but the other thing too, people often let them get too ripe, and they always have a kerosene taste when they're overripe. I think the so, ultimate illegal move is when people put them on a pizza and heat it up. Oh, no. Hot oh, avocado. No. Repulsive. It's yeah. wrong. I've never, never heard avocado. of it. Oh, well, it's heavens. done a lot. It's immoral. Oh. Yeah. No, it is immoral. No, when, it should be banned by the church. <laughs> well, anybody can ban it. <laughs> don't mind. Just specifically needs to be the church. Yeah. Rosemary gave me another tip about Christmas cakes, which I think <laughs> is great for the at-home cook. Maybe you could share that with us. What was that? Well, you're making Christmas cakes. Oh, making. Cakes. Oh, yes. No, I make the four-ingredient Christmas cake. Absolutely brilliant. For people who think that a Christmas cake has about 20 ingredients and you make it in October, those days have gone because all you need now is a kilo of mixed fruit and you pour over two tablespoons, oh, two cups, sorry, two cups of orange juice, pop it in the fridge overnight, next morning add two cups of self-raising flour, two teaspoons of mixed spice, mix it up, pop it in your tin, pop it in the oven. When it comes out, pour the brandy over, and you've got Is that it? a beautiful Christmas cake. Wow, so no really eggs. Really fruity. No eggs, no wow. nothing, no nothing. I'm going to try My culinary that. tip is so remember to simple. heat up the brandy before you light it on fire. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had a Christmas cake at my wedding, and the people didn't heat up the brandy, and I was humiliated that <laughs> it failed to light. <laughs> <laughs> it was the of the cake. It set the tone yeah. for your marriage. Yeah. <laughs> there were no flames. <laughs> carried on in that vein. And another tip, too, if you're making Christmas tarts, um, buy your Christmas mints. That saves an awful lot of problems. Yeah. And then add your brandy to it. Add some lemon rind. Add, um, oh, what else do I put in it? Anyway, something like that. Mix it all up. Store it. And you've got a beautiful Christmas mince. Oh, so you jazz up a yes, store-bought one. Yeah, 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 I like yes. that. That's a good idea. Yes. Because I like how you're very 2018. Those days are gone, everyone. Get up with oh, it. No, no. You don't want to spend that time when you're going Faffing to. around when no, you don't need to. Sophie, as the, um, as the trained chef in the house, any, any tips this week? Absolutely this not a trained chef. But um, you did ask me to come up with a cooking tip. So I thought as we come into green um, vegetable season it would be quite um wonderful to, for everyone this year to remember the two rules that are really important when you're cooking green vegetables if you're blanching them in water that is never put the lid on and always salt the water and if you don't believe me do two different pots and cook your beans in a pot that's salted water and cook it in one that's not and one of them drains the flavor and one of them traps the flavor blew my mind very Alice? good uh, my tip this month is actually going to be pointing our listeners to the spinoff.co.nz website. Uh, on the food section, our friend Leisha Jones, who's a very clever food writer slash caterer, 
has written a series called Backyard Bash 101, which is filled with really great tips for hosting a backyard bash barbecue party. They're total hacks, really, aren't they? They are. So the, the latest one, uh, which went up last week, is about um, sort of cheats. Uh, so there's a lot of sort of using store-bought items and zhuzhing them up a bit. Um, yeah, so there'll be another one out this week, so check that out. I found it, I found it um, equal parts amusing and effective, yes. that article, because I was like, that is a really funny thing to do, but why not jazz up store-bought dips with a whole lot of delicious herbs, nuts, mm. flavoured texture? And very important, a bowl. Yeah, that's more like yeah, that's more like a riff on Rosemary's Christmas Mint. So yeah. get what someone else has done and then just jazz it up a notch. It's a great tip. So my tip this month is for poaching your eggs. A lot of people add vinegar to the water, which works, helps them bind and stay together, but I think it adds a rather overpowering vinegar flavour. And as an alternative, which I think actually adds a nice flavour to your eggs, is use lemon juice. Same effect. Yeah. Yep. And also something that's been, this is a tip to all the cafe owners out there, please use a different cutting board for your garlic and onions to your fruit yes. and vegetables. Ooh, a, yes. I far too often have onion in my porridge or my, um, mm. my muesli, and that's just not fun. No. no. I think the, sure. the lemon juice thing's interesting. Is this a new move? No, it was um, actually shown to me by former um, boss of mine, Andrew Beach okay. at Fairfax. Uh, so I've, I've held on to that advice and it's really changed my I'd approach agree to with them. And so would mm. you say in the ultimate best case scenario, your eggs are so fresh that you need nothing? Or you think that lemon is a See, positive I, regardless? I add lemon now no matter what okay. because it, it adds flavour and even if they are very fresh, it still makes sure they bind. I'm going to mm. do that this weekend, Simon. Thank do you, you do the whirlpool? I don't do the whirlpool, but I wish I did. It looks really exciting. It does look cool, but kind of stressful. Such a, yeah, such a faff. It's fine if you're doing a couple of eggs, but normally I feel like I'm poaching six or seven, so I'm happy with just a simmer. See, I've watched Ben Bostock poach 40 eggs perfectly, not one of them um, wrong. Wow. Mm. In a whirlpool. In a whirlpool. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that was, honestly, that was a... An incredible feat of human achievement. Hey, I actually have a, a cooking challenge, which is um, because we're coming into the season of pavlova and meringues. Mm. Um, one thing that was really hammered into us at Ballymaloo is um, never wasting food. And one of the things that they were most passionate about is the fun fact that egg whites freeze perfectly. Yes. So yes. between now and Christmas time, no one is allowed to throw out an egg white. If you're not going to use them in the next three weeks, you need to put them in the freezer, but they freeze absolutely perfectly. So you can get them out of the freezer and make a mega pav for your family at Christmas. And write on the container how many whites you have put into the Tupperware container, because I have done that before and then had no idea how many egg whites were. I had frozen. Yes, and I think mm. it's something like it's, a, it's what, I know that one egg white is one fluid ounce because that's the system that they speak about in Ireland, but I think it's something like 60 mil. Right, yeah. Don't quote me on that. We'll check. <laughs> I have a food tip. Uh, you can eat kiwi onion dip any time. You don't have to wait for summer. The ingredients are in countdown. Anytime. I do it year-round. As advertised on the tin. I also yeah. have something about potatoes, but that's my main one. We'll say potatoes for next month, Hayden. We'd love to have you back. Hey, on the kiwi onion dip, I would like to say that I don't think it tastes any different with the lemon juice, and I thought that it would. Mm, I, I think it tastes a bit different, but I 
yeah, I agree. It doesn't really need it. So, I always thought that that mm. difference is a bit overhyped. Yeah. Maybe vinegar though is mm. quite strong. It's mm. like it's like your poached eggs. Probably put that in for a reason. Mm. If it vinegar. were a wine, I'd say it's got a crisper finish now. Oh. But the actual eating experience isn't very different. <laughs> I love yeah. that idea of treating kiwi onion dip in the same sort of fine wine class as fine wine. Oh, yeah. it's, it's very similar. And <laughs> I think. I think the primary difference in your experience will be how cold it is. I think it, if, if, if it's cold, it's if it's at least quite chilled, it's better. It's yeah. akin right. to French champagne when it's chilled. Mm, mm. Yes. Let's, let's think of it as French champagne. But kiwi. Yeah. Kiwi is. It Did, would go nicely with champagne, actually. That's another thing we could have served. Oh. Were you inspired yeah. at all by French dip or, you know, did, did any other dips from around the world influence the making of kiwi onion dip? It, no, not at that time. <clears throat> no, they weren't. Um, someone mentioned that possibly I got it from America. I don't know why it should have come from America. Because when I go to America, I go regularly to see my daughter, I have to take kiwi huh. onion dip ingredients really? with me. Mm. So I'm sure that... You know, yeah, so California dip is the one that they compare it to, they say. But California dip's quite a lot. I mean, the beauty of kiwi onion dip is it's two ingredients. And yeah. it's so simple, you could, you could like a baby could do it. A, a pigeon could do it, probably. Just put <laughs> its beak in there, whirl it around, it'll be fine. Yeah, I really mean, a pigeon to do. You know, Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. California dip is a lot more complicated if you look it up, but. So another yeah. thing that we do on our podcast, Rosemary, Rosemary was asking what a podcast is before I described yes, it as a, as, a, as a radio show on the internet. And you can edit out all the mistakes you make along the way too. That's good. Although we never do that because we don't make mistakes. No, we're no. perfect. But one of our segments is called The Last Supper and we like to celebrate a wonderful meal that we've had recently. And we talked earlier, where have you been eating out uh, in the, re- in the I, recent past? I went to Le Grand in... Market Road, Grand, um, Great South Road, and had a lovely Thai curry. And the other one I really enjoyed was at a, a French restaurant at the top of Queen Street, and I can't remember the name. What was it? You, you, you. Um, I think it's Le Garde Manger. Yes, it was. It was. And I had a beautiful steak and mushrooms, and then their creme brulee was superb. I wonder and if I they would use bay leaf in their cassoulet. I wonder if they do. In fact, I'm sure they will. It would be silly not sure to. We will. can now say that confidently. Yes, I'm sure they would. So really, quite two different meals, but love both of them. Both with French names, incidentally. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. Simon, where have you been eating? I, I was blown away by the um, tapas at Aparo. Oh, yeah. So good. I think um, that goat's cheese croquette. Oh, oh. Yes. oh yes. <laughs> I actually think about it. Re- <laughs> yeah, dream regularly. About it. Yeah. What really got me though was I think ordering falafel is a little bit of a, a Russian roulette. Although mm. there are more bullets than there are good experiences. Mm. Too much falafel is dry or flavorless, and this was delicious. Maybe on par. Maybe. Or potentially not quite as good as the falafel at Gamezi Street, but that is you know a Lebanese grandmother's recipe. But this falafel was bright green with coriander. It is just moist, and the outside is you know dark brown. Really I crispy. I um, agree with you that it's it's actually in a different style to most falafel that you order. So I had the week that I went to Aparo, I had had a conversation 
um, with Kirsty, who owns Fatima's, about the falafel there. And they have a green, really herby falafel that's quite um, in the same vein. And they quenell it into the fryer to order. And that was essentially the same experience of the one at Apero. So I say everyone needs to put more herbs, more green. Yes, I like a green falafel. Mm. And you are a vegetarian. I think you get given a lot of falafel, don't you? Yes, I do. And, yeah, I agree with Simon. There's a lot of um, not Bad great falafel. falafel. A lot of bullets in that chamber. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Where have you eaten recently, Alice? Uh, I went to a pop-up the other day. It's called Restaurant Chimera, and it was at Love Bucket Bar on K Road. Uh, it's Connor Mertens and Carly Black. Connor used to be the head chef at Orphan's Kitchen, and Carly is his partner. Um, and it, it was just really beautiful sort of vegetable-based sharing plates. Um, Are you checking Instagram or looking for your notes? I'm checking Instagram to be like, what What did I have? Because I, I didn't take a picture of the menu. So there was a beautiful toma- like heirloom tomato dish with a garlic and rosemary oil. And oh. rosemary and tomato, you need to think, maybe wouldn't go that well, but it was so good. Mm. And, a, and a really nice um, asparagus dish. Amazing sourdough with really good cultured butter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some temmatuku oysters. <laughs> and it was, yeah, mm, it was just really on point. Oh, and a beautiful eggplant dish with orange and radicchio. Yeah. It's really mm, nice season. Yeah. I've found radicchio really, really hard to find in New Zealand mm. as well. I think that um, enormous props goes to them for pulling off um, such a great variety of food because my understanding is that there isn't a full-service kitchen at no. Love Bucket. Yeah, there's not. And people and there's another pop-up there this week, which is Casador doing hot dogs. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. um, we should we've, go along We've to. already had Darius's um, sausage on the podcast. There was duck sausage served with beetroot, duck that he'd shot. And it was amazing. Are they just there for this week? Because I, I think need maybe to urgently two, get there. I, think, I feel like it's the 23rd and 24th, maybe. Let me check. So only two days. Okay. Yeah. I'll be looking that up. Hayden, I know you weren't prepared for this segment, but oh. have you have you got anything to add to Last Supper? I, I do. I, I'm still looking at my greatest recommendation, uh, which is I found the greatest Korean barbecue that I've found in Auckland, outside of Korea, uh, and it was on Rosedale Road, I think, on the north shore of Auckland. It's so good. It's in the Albany area, and I'm trying to find uh, the name of it. I think I've heard of that. I feel I feel as though there's more restaurants yeah. popping up in that zone because sort of I Korean. never go there. But the North Shore Korean, yeah, a lot of Korean communities. Large and... recommendations coming out of the North Shore at the for moment. Rosedale. Well, the, yeah, there's big Korean community around. There, I'll try and find the name for you. I mean, I'll go through a few. De- oh, this is my one appearance on the on the podcast, probably. So I'm just going to. We can put it uh, in the show notes. Chicken with fresh chili at Spicy House, I think, is my favourite dish in Auckland. Just about, <laughs> I know that's a, but Spicy House and Dominion Road. Get the chicken with fresh chili. Uh, I loved Peach's hot chicken. God, it's a lot of. chicken. I had that last week. I, yeah, there's been so much talk about it. They're a food truck, but they're sometimes at the beer spot on the That's North where Shore. I went. Oh, Very yes. delicious. Great burger um, that they yes. were serving there. And I loved it. Great hot chicken burger. And uh, just Indian food, cassia, was just Amazing. a delicious, delicious restaurant. We do try to think of ourselves as a nationwide podcast, so it's been really good to get some North Shore content. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was going to suggest, Simon, you maybe get yourself a, a passport and head over to Rosedale. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, <laughs> don't want to go I too mean, far. Yeah, Rosedale, I don't know, especially without a name. I don't want to just go driving around Rosedale. No, you, you'll find it. Don't <laughs> worry. Do Get off at that, uh, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that, that off-ramp that I can't remember, Greville Road or something. Oh, yeah. Turn left and then turn right. It's in a complex there. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, Simon, I did a road trip around South Island and Wellington last week in my capacity as the Dine-Aid um, person for the year. So I wonder whether you'd like to know about any of the awesome things I ate outside of Auckland. I would. So really quickly, um, we... I'm into it too. We flew from um, Auckland into Wellington and um, went straight to the City Mission and delivered checks, which was uh, it's always a good time, a feel-good activity. But the restaurant that we went to down there, which for some reason I thought had flown under the radar, but my mother who was with me was familiar with, was Field and Green. Yes, yes. The most delicious food mm. I've had in a long time. Yeah, I still haven't been there, but I've heard the a lot about it. The kedgeree was exceptional. We had these um, gnocchi type dumplings, which literally could have come straight from the table at the River Cafe. As it, and we had three dishes between two of us because we couldn't decide. Yeah. I had a Bombay omelette with poppadoms and raita and mango mm, chutney, yeah, and it was just lovely. really, really exceptional. Delicious. Um, and then we continued. On the next day to uh, Christchurch and popped into Sister Kong, um, which has a really epic menu. Um, and then on to Omaru to the Riverstone Kitchen, which um, incidentally raised the second most money, most amount of money for Dine Aid last Christmas. But I remember the um, noise about them when they won Best Restaurant in New Zealand a few years yeah. ago. Um, so Bevan Smith is the chef there, and it's literally on State Highway 1 just outside of Omaru. Um, but the food was really, really considered, and it was a case of where someone spent a lot of time and energy making something appear simple. So soft polenta with a tomatoey pork and salsa verde for lunch was absolutely ideal. I think Omaru is really, really underrated. Yes. Really cool little city. Yeah. And it's a steampunk yeah. thing, you know. People don't want the steampunk. Oh, true. Mm. You know, you don't want to have to deal with that going into a town. <laughs> some some uh, 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 1700s train conductor with weird glasses on yeah, coming true. up to you and going, ah! You know, better to just drive through, go to the Modaki and Boulders or something, you know? Or Fleur's Place. Fleur's Place, yeah. Oh, yeah, Fleur's Place. Still never been to Fleur's Place. Neither. I've never been to Oamaru Please go. There's another place that I just started um, following on... Instagram that is in um, Omaru, and mm, they are yes. a, a, What's it called? a sh- chef pair, maybe, mm. husband and wife. I think I follow them too. Um, it's Cucina. Italian. Yes, Cucina. Yeah. And doing really fantastic things. So it's can't wait coming. to get back down there. So I thought we'd go to Rosemary to close out the uh, the podcast with some very important yes or no questions to help the spin off with some uh, internal dilemmas that we've been having around the office. So is it too early for Christmas carols on November 21st? Yes. Too early. Oh. Even for um, Mariah yes. Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You? Yes. John Legend's actually yes. already dropped his Christmas album, Rosemary. What about Friday evening? I'm having a Christmas party. <laughs> Don't let me down, Rosemary. <laughs> We're not I'm, with, I'm with Rosemary on this one. <laughs> yes. Don't spoil it for the rest of us. She's absolutely not budging. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. And, and finally, Christmas, Christmas mince pies, good or bad? Good. 
Love yes. them. Yes. Love them. Oh, I love them. I've been making them. Oh, See, yes. whenever someone wants to give me a Christmas mince pie, all I want is a mince and cheese pie. No. I must send you some Christmas mince pies. Oh, yes. My address is... We'll <laughs> I won't give that out on the air. It's Personal. nowhere near Rosedale. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rosemary. Um, You're a lot of fun, and it's uh, been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. we might have to restart that petition to make you Prime Minister. (laughs) No, no, I'm not into politics. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we could get Jacinda's endorsement on the Order of Merit. That's something that could be achieved. I, I have another idea for you, Rosemary. I'll talk to you afterwards. All right. I want to get you an honour. But thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please share it around. And if you have any questions for us, send them to Alice Neville at thespinoff.co.nz. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.